when it's done well, video marketing looks simple. You just point the camera and go. Then when you try it, you realize there are so many moving parts. It can seem overwhelming, but right now, all the smart marketers are betting on video first. This week, my guest is Justina Rosu. Justina has worked with some pretty famous people, but she won't tell me that on mic, but I know. She was part of a small team that launched BBC3 and pioneered producer-filmed content there. Now she focuses on helping entrepreneurs get smart about using video. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday, I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget, you can join our Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. Also, new thing, notice new thing if you're used to listening to this again and again, also on YouTube now. So you may enjoy searching Bob Gentle on YouTube and you'll get some different perspectives there. So welcome along and let's meet Justina. So this week I'm delighted to welcome Justina Roshu to the podcast. Justina runs a company called Purple Square Video. Justina, why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are and the kind of work you do? Oh, thank you, Bob. It's great to be on your podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. It is um, my pleasure. I've been meaning to get you on for ages. Um, well, I'm very flattered. So, uh, and I apologise for not giving you much notice. Justina, for the listener, has jumped in at the very last minute because I failed to plan one or two things, which led me to needing somebody to come on quickly. Justina was top of my list and dropped everything. So thank you very much. Oh, that's my pleasure. So hopefully I won't have any rude interruptions by my three teenagers, two dogs and a husband currently doing DIY around the house. So fingers crossed we won't get disturbed. But back to your question. Um, so yes, thank you very much. I am Justina and my business is Purple Square Video. Um, and what we do or what I do is work really hard to try and make video easy for entrepreneurs. I generally work now, work with consultants, coaches and therapists, um, helping them make their own video with their whatever they have available to use. Um, I very much try and encourage people to start with some video strategy before actually going into creation. Um, and then, of course, I, have, I work all the way through to fully full service video production, um, filming and um delivering, editing, the full Monty as it were. Um, and now what I'm doing with this, because I've recently rebranded and we've kind of pivoted a little bit to kind of focus in this in this area towards entrepreneurs. Um, so what that means is I'm creating this collection of services that will satisfy every entrepreneur's need is the is the idea. So <laughs> that's what I do, everything to do with video. It is quite a spectrum, and I think uh, talking about the sort of the, the entry level entrepreneur that's shooting something on their phone, and then looks at the footage on their phone and thinks, "I can't put this online." They need somebody to sort of top and tail and edit it and make it look good, all the way through to the sort of the high end influencer mm -hmm. with his teleprompter and the mm -hmm. lighting and the audio. That's a big it, um, 
Yes, it is. It's a big spectrum, which is one of the things that I'm often reminding people because so many times when you know when you're networking or you're just meeting people, and I'm frequently randomly asked, "Oh, you know, what kind? What? How much does it cost roughly to get video made?" And then I'm like, "Oh, that's that's like asking how long a piece of string is because you can come to me with a brief that is quite basic. Say that doesn't go into too much detail, but." might be for example I would like a sales video to promote my new product coming up I want it to be talking heads with me and some b-roll so that can be you filming it yourself on your phone or it could be and this might be say one minute video you do it on your phone cost zero um, right up to you know thousands and thousands tens of thousands of pounds you know it depends what you want so it's really hard then to service <laughs> what people are after um, but I've been doing this now for so many years I kind of working with this sector of industry um, I kind of have a really good feeling what people need and it is it is both people need sometimes jump straight into wanting professional video work but even when you want professional video work I'm always encouraging everyone to still uh, make videos yourself on your phone because that is still needed in fact, some of the training that I've done, um, I've trained in Westminster um, in government, working with uh, minister aides because they needed to be able to film on their phone. And I've trained CEOs also in how to film on their phones. So they still have professional filming, but because of the landscape that video is these days, it's kind of like one of those skills that no matter where you are in your success or level of business, you still need to be able to make a half-decent video on your phone. I think one of the things I'm curious about is there are, there are lots of different kinds of people and training people who are unaccustomed to being on camera, I guess, must be a part of what you're doing. I mean, mm. yes, making videos is a technical thing, but actually, for a lot of people, the technical stuff is probably quite easy. It's actually, okay, you press the record button and then it's rabbit in the headlights. Mm. How do you help people past that? Yeah, that's actually one of the things that I love to do because you're right, it's, it's such a different thing. And there's two on-camera differences, really. When you're filming yourself, um, that's one obstacle so there's no one else in the room just you and you still have to bring an energy to the camera um, so even if you can get through your if you have shyness or if you have that kind of if you have mind monkeys telling you that you kind of just don't don't really just don't want people to see you on video even if you get over that um, then you are still um, you still need to up your energy so much more than you actually think and then when I'm working with people who are in front of camera with a crew they also then have all these people just looking at them so it does take you know from my side as a director when I'm working with someone on camera there's a lot of making them feel at ease um, of doing a little bit of rehearse and it does it kind of takes a little bit of time especially when it's the first time I'm filming with someone um, for them to kind of get used to looking at the camera, looking in the lens properly, uh, rather than looking to me for um, 
kind of reassurance when they need to look in the camera. It's a really, it's a strange thing, and I think a lot, especially when I'm working with either CEOs or people that are used to speaking in public, they tend to think that they are going to be fine on camera because they're not shy people, they're confident and you know they talk in front of people. But it's so different then when you start looking into just this black round thing, <laughs> um, this lens, rather than having an audience. It's all, it's so much is about the energy. Um, but a lot of people, it's the two biggest things are either technical um, fear or that fear or discomfort of being actually on camera in front of the lens. I, I totally get that. I mean, for me, it, it is much more the facing the lens. And actually what you describe about bringing the energy is I, I totally get that, but hadn't properly made that conscious because I do a little bit of video now mm. and I find it really quite difficult. I, it gets easier the more I do it. But yeah, I think it's when I watch my videos back, the energy that I would like to bring to them often isn't there. It's more, it's better now, but yeah, that's really. Well, are you, do you sit down when you're making your videos? I do. Yeah, you might try standing up. It's a very different energy when you stand up as well. Like I mm. do my pre-recorded videos. Um, I stand up. I only sit, although, well, now I have my stand-up desk, which is going in today. <laughs> I'll be standing up for everything. But it would, otherwise, when I'm doing a screen record video, that would be the only time I would sit down. Or obviously, if it's um, like a, um, a live where maybe I'm at my desk, um, so which you know makes me brings me to something else that is something for entrepreneurs or solopreneurs people that are running their own businesses to think about particularly if you have a home office is it's having these two different kind of home studio setups for one's a better way of putting it um you need to have that one for when you're on camera in an interview on your zooms doing consultations pay attention to that looking good yours looks amazing um, and try and have like a second one set up somewhere where it is a bit different for those pre-recorded videos. Um, and you don't have to have a lot of space um, to have that set up. It's just for playing around with it, really, um, to find out. What yeah, I guess it comes to being intentional. You need to plan these things ahead of mm -hmm. time. And certainly being quite an aesthetic person, I'm... I'm a perfectionist when it comes to the visual elements of anything. I can tell. <laughs> and it's caused me so many problems in life. I think, and a lot of people, if they are introverts, you'll probably identify with this, that perfectionism and visual perfectionism, a lot of the time leads to you doing nothing, actually. You just yeah. don't take any action. Mm -hmm. But taking the time to really plan out the minimum viable background for you does actually relieve a lot of the pressure there. Yeah, um, and it can, I, it can help you feel more confident as well. It does. It absolutely does. If you if you know, it, actually, you're the, you're the only weak link in this video. It's going to be okay. <laughs> no, you're um, not the weak link in the video. <laughs> I think it's especially for introverts, of which I am also. I'm I'm not a shy introvert, but I'm I I drain a lot when I'm around people or when I'm having too much contact with people um, I have to then have my my space so I totally get that um, and it can it can actually video can be easier for a lot of introverts because you don't have to be people facing um, 
and having a background that you like really helps you to feel a bit more confident mm. um yeah for sure for sure so you mentioned when you're working with entrepreneurs you like to start with some kind of strategy and i'd like to just sort of nibble into that a little bit because a lot of people when they come to youtube for example and i think for a lot of people it's important to understand not everything is about youtube but one of the things i encourage my customers to do is to look at their content strategy as a short-term strategy and that'll typically be things like ads and video has a place there but it tends to be a video for a specific purpose and then there's a medium-term strategy which tends to be around social media social networking and then there's the long-term strategy and that tends to be things like blog podcast or youtube and youtube is actually quite important if you're trying to build your business online because it's where you are more likely to build up a large legacy audience but each youtube video doesn't exist in isolation it exists as part of a body of work so that needs some strategy and i'm curious to know as somebody who spends a lot of time on this topic what are the the sort of fundamental youtube strategy things that you see people regularly forgetting about oh gosh on youtube it's like it's huge because the majority of people and just first of all actually the majority of entrepreneurs and big businesses this isn't just a small uh, smaller business issue don't appreciate the value of what a youtube channel can do for your brand um and you're right it's because in general it is hard to work it's first of all you're making videos which is a learning curve in and of itself um and also youtube is a long game it's generally takes longer to build your audience although it can take off quickly and many channels do um and that's not always something that you can pin down to one thing or another um you can just happen to get of the right video at the right time and they can just blow up and then that feeds your channel growth um but to come up with to give you some thoughts um, give the audience some thoughts on what are some easy things to do with your channel or to think about with your channel that most people don't consider is there's a few things so first of all to look at the home page of your channel in the same way you would look at the homepage of your website um, to aesthetically look at it in that way and to appreciate that this is your shop window. So typically what happens when someone will uh, be looking for a solution to their problem on Google or directly in YouTube, then they find your video. Um, They have, let's just, I won't talk about what's, that journey, that viewer's journey was, but anyway, they've Mm. consumed your video, decided they like it, um, and then they come onto your channel to have a look. So the first things that hits them are what's on your banner and your trailer. Um, And then 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 the eye goes down and sees what playlist you have underneath that. So your banner needs to be really attention grabbing. And that doesn't mean it needs to be all like neon colors and um, big flashy words. But it needs to communicate your what and your why so that Im- immediately that visitor understands um, what your channel does, what your value proposition is and how that and how you can help them. 
Um, so there's actually so much that work that goes into, should go into your banner, just the banner. Um, it should always have your image on and it should always have in as few words, succinctly as possible, your what it is you do, you know, what what it is that you can help me with and why that should, why I should care, you know, why that should mean something to me. Um, it's a big ask and it's something that often evolves. Um, it's hard to get it right first time. Then the very next thing is, um, so they'll see the banner and then your trailer will just automatically play if they're not already subscribed to your channel, which is what an opportunity to have is immediately be able to have a video playing when someone comes. So those first 10 seconds of that video, um, you really then need to seal the deal and have that um, uh, have that really call them out so they know immediately, yes, this is the channel I've been looking for in my life. Where has it been? Thank goodness I found it. Um, and so that they're the things that often just don't really get thought about on YouTube channels. Um, and the other thing I would add into that strategically is, so they've found you through a video video that is answering a question and that you have fulfilled on. Um, so if then they get to your channel and there's really not much else on that topic or close to that topic, then they're highly unlikely to continue to um, go and watch the rest, any of your other contents on there. So you need to think about strategically about what those content pillars are, what you want, the topics you want to dominate when you come to your YouTube channel. So that when someone comes over to your channel, having watched that one video, there's a lot of other content on that exact same topic. Um, and that's where you can start introducing some strategy over your playlists. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I could talk all day about YouTube. See, if anybody ever wanted to know why I do a podcast, I've been making notes here because these are the questions that really matter to me right now. Uh, I had no idea. I did not think of the trailer autoplaying. That's yeah, golden. It is. How important are subtitles on YouTube? Because I noticed when I look at my YouTube analytics that a lot of my videos seem to be getting watched without the sound on. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there, but is that normal? So, I mean... Having subtitles is really important, and if you don't put your own on, then you know. I mean, YouTube is um, auto-generating its subtitles, and it's not just auto-generating those subtitles for your viewers. It's using that data. It's that is part of your um, metadata that it decides what your video is about, and the reason why you need to go through and check. What that if you're not uploading your own, um, then you need to go through, switch on the, the captions, and check the accuracy because otherwise it like any bot that is um, generating subtitles it gets things wrong, and if it can go catastro catastrophically wrong if it's interpreting you know red flag words. <laughs> <laughs> you could have yeah. your video taken down um, at its at the worst case. Um, but anyway, you want people to be able to actually 
understand what you're talking about when they're looking at subtitles and for the correct data to be being used as part of that um, algorithm that YouTube is using. So go through and make sure that the right words are coming up. Um, and yeah, I, I would, you've always, you've got to turn that on. It's, it's a, um, you know, it's a crucial part of your metadata for your videos. So Google is automatically creating the subtitles for you. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything that I need to manually do to enable that? You go, yeah, go into the your settings on your subtitles, and um, you can select the the language, and you need to then enable them so they actually switch on, um, and check. Um, go through and just check it. It's really easy. Uh, it's really easy to do. Um, really easy to change, you know, to update. And you can actually even then download them. So if you need an SRT file um, to put your subtitles anywhere else, um, you can just download it for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the listener doesn't mind, I'm just going to pause the recording. I'm going to do this now. Okay. I'm joking. Um, okay. Excellent. That's That's indulgence enough for me so far. So... For your average, the average business owner that I meet, when I suggest to them video, mm -hmm. there's a, a series of dominoes collapse in their head and they straight away think corporate video. Mm -hmm. I'm going to blow my money on one mega video. And video production companies love that because they get a big hit on one project. Brilliant. But a lot of the time, it's not really the best thing for the business. If we look at any sort of foundational content strategy. Uh, I think it was Mark Schaefer talks about the, the hero content, the mm -hmm. hub content and the hygiene content yeah. in, a, in a sort of pyramid. Yeah. And corporate video, when I explain to customers, where does the corporate video sit in that? It's really the hero piece. It's the thing that you do once, it's a spectacle, but it's, it's, it's gone in a puff and you should really only be doing that kind of big spectacle video when you've really got the budget for it, where most people should be spending their time with, with video strategy. This is me making some assumptions. I'm interested in your opinion, but it is in the hub content. Yeah. So what I, how I describe the, um, the strategy of your video work is also in a triangle, um, but there's basically there's four pillars of your video content and they all can start with an s you can call them many things i like to um i just have this silly thing i like to have things that are easy to remember so um most people are already doing social video that's the first s first pillar um social videos anything from you know just doing your live video which the majority of entrepreneurs that's where they're starting um, and then searchable video would be where YouTube fit in or if you're just doing vlogs on your website, you, everyone should have searchable video. Um, sales video, so that is everything from your landing page sales video to your adverts, um, webinars, testimonials, um, you know, even the videos that are behind a paywall uh, would all fit into them. Um, and then what you were calling hero, widely known as hero video. So I tend to call that your statement video. Um, it's a very similar concept, but as you said, your statement video 
is if you're looking at the triangle, it's right at the top in the peak of that triangle. So you might do that once a year. Um, it could even be every other year. So those statement videos or hero videos, um, it's the same concept. They have a longer shelf life. They are ones that that's where you put your budget. If you have budgets, if you don't have budget, it's where you put your energy. Um, you spend more time planning that video. Typically, those videos are also fully scripted because they are generally shorter, so every word counts. Um, and you spend far longer in production on it. It's the one that you would push out to PR opportunities. It's the one that you'd put ad spend behind if you're going to put ad spend behind. Um, it's the one, they're the ones also that if you do then have a budget to have professional video made, that they're the videos that you start off with um, having professionally shot. Um, at the bottom of that pyramid um, is your searchable. So your searchable videos should be the lion's share of your videos that you are making. Um, and what I talk about with uh, people I work with is that ev your whole video strategy should be a search to social. So you start with your video as a searchable item. Um, and then from that, you would push it into um, social media as a um, version of that video and how sophisticated you get into reversioning it really just depends on how much you want to invest in your videos um, or how deeply you want to think about it for some people it's just far it's a thought too far <laughs> one video has to fit everything and then this concept still works it's social uh, search to social so then you just put that searchable video on your social media as it is. It doesn't work the other way around. Making a video for um, your social, using that as your search is very weak. Um, so it's all, it should always be social, so search to social. And yes, when you're ready to invest money in your um, video making, if that's what you want to do, it should always be just in that hero content or in your statement pieces because this is where you are this is where you're stepping up as a leader and telling people what you stand for um, you know it's where you're really making those statements um, and they are more um, you know leadership pieces um, so yeah I could talk about <laughs> video strategy a lot but that's kind of the some of the main areas i haven't heard it explained like that before these four s's i've made notes they're really good that's a lovely way of presenting it i'm curious to know again this is mildly selfish but i think <laughs> everyone will probably and everyone will probably benefit in any kind of video whether it's social whether it's for search mm -hmm. what are some easy tricks for just adding a little bit of polish or sparkle because a lot of the time if, if it's say a talking head video very quickly you start to realize they all kind of look the same or they're not mm. branded or yeah uh, what, what are your sort of go-to cheap tricks for, for making videos just look a little better okay so it kind of it's depends on where you're starting from so for some people making your video look a thousand times better is something as simple as your framing um, so for that talking head video there's still so many people making videos where I'm looking at their ceiling 
or where they have decapitated themselves. <laughs> um, and it's the thing I find myself talking about so often, and it's the easiest thing, and it so it immediately elevates the um, professionalism of your video. It's simply playing around with the height and the angle um, of what you're recording onto. So if that's your laptop, you know, you just put boxes under or whatever. So, I mean, that. so if I'm starting at the very basics, it's think about your framing um kind of next level along there is you know creating a nicer background like like you have on your videos um and really then after that it's assume you've addressed your lighting um if you got to that stage of making a nice background um from that point on it's really about um introducing b-roll is the best way to uplift your um, talking head video. Ideally, when you look when you look at okay, let me give you some homework for everyone to do. This might surprise you. When you are next watching television or a movie, count the seconds until there's a shot change. So a shot change means a shot change. It can be the same scene and you'll be surprised you might miss a few of these because initially you might be looking for a change of scene. It's not a change of scene, but a change of shot. Mm. So, um, and you'll be surprised you're, you're counting one second, two seconds, three seconds. Occasionally you'll get up over five seconds. You don't often get over 10 seconds. Um, and that is because you know our attention spans are so short so to create an engaging video you want to as much as you can introduce as many shot changes as you can so what does that mean for us filming our own videos as well as b-roll it comes down to when you're in the edit changing your shot size so you can crop into your shot uh, you can move yourself to one side or the other so in order to do that, you need to make sure that your shots to start with is wide enough. So if you are filming yourself to, on camera and you're already, say, filming um, from your chest up, so you get in the top of your shoulders, so you haven't left yourself any real room to be able to crop in, your crop in then is a super close-up, um, which is great I like super close-ups but then that's the only thing you can play with so if you try and make sure that you're getting your elbows into your frame um, then it gives you a bit more leeway to have say three different shot sizes and then you can move yourself to the left move yourself to the right um, as well as like two other punch-ins um, so that's one thing to do um, and obviously then B-roll in its most basic form can simply just be a still image that you're adding on or if you are feeling creative, filming your own would be even better. Um, buying B-roll footage is expensive so please do try and film as much as your own B-roll as you can appropriate to what you're introducing in your uh, video. Then having on-screen text in two different styles, partially on-screen, fully on-screen, um, adding sound effects um, but then it's also about your own um, delivery in person and trying to smile and be engaging with your facial expressions um, and using gestures um, because even those two things um, 
using gestures and having an expressive um, face that in and of itself is also bringing in movement to your video bringing in more interest so while um, if you want to do as little as you can in the edit then you can introduce more in how you are on screen even things like um, leaning in towards the lens moving yourself away from the lens um, having props that you can bring onto the screen with you um, and that can you can have a lot of fun with that um, I've got some videos I think where I've had um, one of my children throw me different hats to try and put on um, so you can then use your what's going on in your frame um, in a more creative way as well if you want to do less in your edit um, so yeah there's I mean, there's lots of things like that you can do and then when you are filming um, your b-roll or if you want to actually film your pieces to camera out and about then you can have a lot more fun with um, things like camera angles um, and and yeah and I, yeah that's it does pretty much come down to camera angles and then how you're um, showing yourself coming into the shot um, but yeah there's maybe too many things I've just thrown into the mix there <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. For anybody that matters, they should have been taking notes like I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's so many, there's so, lots of rabbit holes you can go down in yeah. that one. But I would say though, smiling is a big one. Lots yeah. of people, it's, it's, I mean, myself included, it's really easy to forget to smile. Um, and it's, and if you, I mean, there's a lady called um, Vanessa, um, Vanessa Van Edwards, she did a study on TEDx videos, TEDx talks from their, on, on video, and she was trying to, she's a researcher, and she has a team of researchers, and she came across a video in her, like personally, that she wanted to watch a TED talk, and then she happened to see another one, which was really similar topic about came out about the similar time and yet one had gone viral and the other hadn't so this triggered her curiosity you know why because essentially she couldn't really see any reason looking at the content and you know the other variables um, and her research team ascertained at the end of that a big piece of research that um, the videos that went viral had something like, I forget the fix now, it's been a while since I've read the details, it had something like three or four times as many, the people had three or five times, used three or four times as many hand gestures, and mm. they smiled a lot more. And that made people um, believe they were more intelligent and more charismatic, regardless of what they were actually saying. Um, so it's a really powerful thing to smile um, and to use gestures. Um, science science so, says smile science says smile and the other thing about smiling is it's contagious and when you if you were to another piece of homework you can do is smiling at a stranger and some a, someone has to if they see you smile at them have our instinct is to smile back it's our reflex is to smile back you have to your brain has to actually decide not to smile in order to not smile. It's an actual, you know, you fundamentally have to make that decision. So if you're making a video and you're wanting your audience to enjoy the video and to have a good feeling from it, the more you can smile, 
the better. <laughs> I like it. So it makes you feel good too. So I'm going to start asking you about your business in a minute and we probably need to wrap it up quite soon. But I'm curious, you mentioned sort of filming out and about and I think for a lot of people, me included, that's frankly terrifying. It's okay in my little office where nobody can see me, but it's just not the same as being able to sort of vlog, I'm, I'm making quotation marks, on the move. It just looks amazing when people do it. Any confidence tricks for just being able to crack that nut? That is, it is a big step to make to be as visible as filming out and about on your own. Because, um, yeah, it's, you do have to be quite brave. And so a good way to start is to just go somewhere where you probably won't see anyone, but you're still breaking that barrier of being out of your comfort zone. Um, so off to a park somewhere quiet where you can just set up your camera on a bench next to you or on a wall, um, something like that. Um, but it's probably a good idea to, if that's what you want to do, to have, just go with a buddy, have someone there with you that you can have a bit more of a laugh with. Um, people do the funniest things. I mean, when I've been out filming, they just jump in front of camera. Everyone's always saying, who are you filming for? Um, and just doing daft things when you bring attention to yourself like that, especially, you know, when I've been filming with celebrities, it's just really hard. The public just don't want to leave you alone. Um, but these days when you're just filming on your phone, if that's what you're using, it's less conspicuous, but it is still a, it's still a um, confidence thing. So I would just say if that's what you want to do, find yourself someone else who maybe wants to do the same thing and go together or get a willing participant, like maybe if you have a child that's old enough or a partner or a friend um, that can go with you so that you're not actually doing it on your own so you don't feel quite such a, a uh, strange <laughs> person. Um, but yeah, I've made, I've made some of my clients do the most uncomfortable things. I do like to try and push people's comfort zones, but I've made people go into a big crowd where we have had a, a really long lens and so the camera's been out of dis out of sight other people don't even know that they're talking to a camera and I've made them you know, <laughs> jump up and down make funny faces and deliver a piece to camera to the camera <laughs> that's a long way away um so yeah it does it does get fun and, but like many things you know the more you do it the less um you know, the less yeah, the more normal Scared it becomes. You get, the more normal it becomes. But um, yeah, that is a hard one to do. That yeah, yeah, it's definitely one for when you've become a little bit more experienced and comfortable. <laughs> so, what does your favourite client look like now? I mean, who is an ideal client oh, for for you? It's it's it has changed a lot. I used I used to actually specialise in filming food. They were great clients because then I could eat them afterwards <laughs> if they didn't get poked around too much. Um, so yeah, that was fun. Nowadays, it's is um, yeah, it's a, it's an entrepreneur who's on their journey, who just wants to make better videos. Whether they are starting out and what they're after is just some simple training on how to write a script um, or how to um, structure an outline of a video, through to maybe um, then as they progress, they want to launch on YouTube. Then maybe they want to go on stage and they need a um, speaker reel being made and then they might want to then start having their um, occasional 
professional videos shot. So my ideal client really is just somewhere on that path um, where they are working with um, their own content and making a change in the world. You know, they are helping people. Um, you know, that's something which is really important to me. I I really like my clients and we become friends. Um, and that's largely because I just tend to work with people who have got a mission in their business to help people um, in you know what it is that they do best um, and then you know my part in that is really just helping you show up to your fullest um, natural version of you on camera so that then people who need what it is that you do um, you know see that authentic side of you and, and realize that you are the person that they need. Justine we should probably bring it to a close that's a brilliant answer and hopefully some of those people are listening and I will invite you to sort of tell us how they can get in touch with you in a minute but I need to remember to ask you my question I try and remember to ask every guest what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago so it's not a difficult one for me to answer I wish that I had started my own YouTube channel um that much time ago and not just that but just being consistent with making videos um, like everyone else I suffer with the same um, not necessarily fears but discomfort of being on camera um, and so personally my I work on other people's videos all the time help everyone else to get on camera and so I neglect myself and so I my big wish I would have known then and had started then would be just simply making regular video content even if that would have been just one a month um, it's about just being regular with content which I'm sure you know all too well yeah. um, I'm sure that's what you tell your clients um, but yes it would be to be making regular video content whatever that would have looked like and if people do want to engage with you if they want to get in touch how would you like them to do that I would love your listeners to come and find me on YouTube um, and they just have to search my name in YouTube, Justina Roshu, um, YouTube, and I pop up. <laughs> that's very um, easy to your, find. Your surname is spelled R-O-S-U, just for anybody that's not sure, but I will yes. put a link in the show notes. Yeah, that is it. Justina, indeed. you've been a fantastic guest, ridiculously generous with your knowledge. It's been a treasure trove. Thank you so much. Oh, it's um, my pleasure and yeah I can't wait to see you again soon hopefully in person one day yes. in the future yes I'm sure it's not that far away but it's, it's been mm. lovely chatting with you thank you very much thank you there was so much in that interview how do you sum all that up like I said so many times the easiest way to start is to start don't overthink it just make a simple video learn from that and repeat everything else is details. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe and if you haven't already to join our Facebook group, you'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media, especially on YouTube. Follow me wherever you are hang out and you'll find me at Bob Gentle. And if you do follow me or connect with me and you listen to the podcast, let me know. That way I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It helps me a lot, and it's the best way to help me reach new subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Justina for giving us her time, and to you for listening. 
and see you next week.